open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. He shall give him the water of wholesome wisdom to drink, and he shall be made strong by it, and he shall not be moved. Alleluia. And it shall exalt them forever. Alleluia. Alleluia. O give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. He is the Lord our God, he hath remembered his covenant forever. For he remembered his holy promise, and he brought forth his people with joy. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. He shall give him the water of wholesome wisdom to drink, and he shall be made strong by it, and he shall not be moved. Alleluia. And it shall exalt them forever. Alleluia, alleluia. The first lesson for the Wednesday after Easter is written in the third chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the thirteenth verse. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had determined to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, to which we are witnesses. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which is through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, brothers... I know that you did this in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But the things which God announced by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ should suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, so that there may come times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the 11th chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the 26th verse. Brothers, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in memory of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, the Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. Alleluia. 
The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 21st chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. After these things, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They told him, We are also coming with you. They immediately went out and entered into the boat. That night they caught nothing, but when day had already come, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, Children, have you anything to eat? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. They cast it therefore, and now they weren't able to draw it in for the multitude of fish. That disciple therefore whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about two hundred cubits away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a fire of coals there, with fish and bread laid on it. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of one hundred fifty-three great fish. Even though there were so many, the net wasn't torn. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared inquire of him, Who are you? knowing that it was the Lord. Then Jesus came and took the bread, gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he had risen from the dead. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia, alleluia. Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Alleluia. A sermon by St. Cyril of Alexandria on the Gospel of John read for today with my edits and additions. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ once more gladdens his disciples with the enjoyment of the sight of himself, whom they so greatly longed to see. And our Lord vouchsafes unto them a third visit, in addition to the other two, and a third visit so that he might confirm their minds cement in their minds his resurrection, and render them unchangeably steadfast in faith towards him. For they have seen him not just once now, but for a third time, and after three appearances, how could they fail to have their minds released from all wavering in the faith, and to become faithful instructors of the rest of mankind in the doctrines of the religion of Christ? Now here in John, Peter goes forth fishing with the others, and when he is bound to go fishing, they hurried with him. And doubtless our Savior Christ is here seen working for their good. 
Now, in the Gospel according to Matthew, our Lord once said to the disciples, when he put upon them the yoke of their discipleship and called them to the dignity of their apostleship, he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In order then that our Lord might convince the disciples by a very palpable sign that every word that he had spoken would surely come to pass, and also that his promise would result in complete fulfillment, that they would be fishers of men, he draws a convincing proof from the trade at which they are at work. That is, he convinces them by their being fishermen that he was making them fishers of men. For the blessed disciples were practicing their art, their trade. They were fishing, but yet they had caught nothing, though they had toiled all the night. And when it was already early morning and the dawn was beginning to break and the sun's rays to appear, there stood Jesus on the beach. And they did not know that it was Jesus. And when he questioned them whether they had any fish to eat in their nets, they said they had nothing at all. Then our Lord bids them cast down the net on the right side of the boat. And they, the disciples, although all, all the night they had spent their toil in vain, they replied to him, At your word we will cast down the net. And when they did this, the weight of the fish that were caught overpowered the strength of the fishermen who were hauling it up. Think about that. These were strong fishermen, and they weren't strong enough to haul this catch of fish. And such is the narrative of the inspired evangelist John. As we have just observed, the Savior, by the actual performance of this palpable miracle, satisfied, that is, he convinced the holy disciples that they were indeed destined to be, as he had said, fishers of men. Well, come then, let us meditate upon, so far as in us lies, that which was fulfilled in foreshadowing into the truth of which it is symbolic. To put it in other words, let us here meditate upon the symbolism of this story, in this story, which was real, but that also reveals the divine truth to us. And let us bear witness to the truth of the Savior's words, and according to our ability, unfold the meaning of everything that took place. Let us put before those who may light on these pages what may serve in some measure, I think, to start a spiritual train of thought. For the scriptures say, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. So let us meditate upon what happens in this post-resurrection story. I think, then, that the fact of the disciples fishing all the night and taking nothing but spending their labor in vain, this signifies that no one, as we shall find, or very few, would be wholly won over by the teaching of the first instructors of the Old Testament and caught into their net to do God's pleasure in all things. In other words, by the net of the law, no one or very few will be won over. We must regard the number of mankind scattered throughout the world as exceedingly great. What hindrance, then, or obstacle was there in the way which rendered the labor of the pioneers of the faith, those Old Testament teachers, those teachers of the law, what rendered their labors fruitless in their fishing? Why did their preaching fail to bear fruit? 
because there was still night and darkness, and a kind of mental mist and devilish deceit brooding over the eyes of the mind, not suffering men to perceive the true light of God. For there was no man that does good, says the psalmist. Yea, not one, but all had gone astray and become abominable. And though the Israelites of the Old Testament had been, in a manner, caught in the net by Moses, the net of the law, yet they were as though they had not been caught at all, and were devoted to the worship of foreshadows and types, and had no instruction in the law that brings to perfection. That is, the gospel. They had no instruction in the gospel. That is, although they were caught in Moses' net, they were devoted to the worship under the law, not seeing that the Old Testament worship pointed to Christ. And they miss Christ's law, that is, they miss Christ's new nature and his gospel, which brings perfection. For that we shall find that the worship of types, that is, the Old Testament outward worship and sacrifices that were supposed to point to Christ, but were happening without faith, those types of worship without faith was abominable. They were displeasing to God. And this is easy to see from our Lord's rejection of bloody sacrifices and every kind of earthly and physical offering. For the Lord says in Jeremiah 6, For what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. Now we point this out not wishing to disparage the first commandment given of the Old Testament or with the intent to accuse the law. We're not doing that. But we point this out rather desiring to suggest to our hearers that as God the Lord of all has regard of life only to the beauty of the gospel, even those who were caught in the net by the law and brought to the barren worship of shadows and foreshadows and types, but were on par with those who had not been caught at all until the time of Reformation dawned. Christ saying clearly, when he became man, he said, I am the truth. In other words, the Old Testament worship, those caught in the net of the law, if they weren't pointed to Christ, their worship was barren. There was no life. God regards there to be life only in the gospel, not in the law. And if it be necessary to add any further words, I shall not shrink from doing so if it be for our profit. They who were called by Moses to learn the law, those spurned the law given to them, and, as it were, opened their mouth wide and gaped upon the holy ordinance, and made the precepts, that is, the traditions of men, their code of instruction, their system of belief. And they relapsed into such stubbornness and perversity of heart that even the word of the holy prophets lost its power to those in the net of the law. Therefore, the prophets also cried out, Lord, who has believed our report, as it says in Isaiah. And Jeremiah also exclaims, Woe is me, my mother, that you have borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have not helped any man, nor has any man helped me. My strength has failed me because of them that curse me. So says Jeremiah. Surely then a person is constrained to admit that the disobedient and unruly Israelites were on par with those who had not been caught in the net of the law at all, especially when they trampled underfoot even the law of Moses that was laid down. 
and it needs no demonstration to show the great multitude of the Gentiles was still uncaptured before the Incarnation and remained altogether outside the net of the law. Darkness, then, and devilish night was in the hearts of mankind, driving out the light of the true knowledge of God. Therefore the disciples toiled, so to say, during the whole night, and still had their spiritual net barren of fish before Christ's coming, because that is symbolic of the net of the law. But when early morning came, that is, when the mist of the devil was dispersed, and the true light, Christ himself, had dawned, been resurrected, and when Christ inquired of the disciples who toiled, asking them, Have you anything within your nets which may serve as food? Food for God, who thirsts, as it were, for the salvation of us all. And when the disciples gave his question the plain answer that they had nothing, then Christ bade them to cast down the net again from the right side of the boat. For the blessed Moses also let down the line or net of instruction, that is, he let down the net by the letter of the law, but this was fishing on the left side of the boat. The commandment of Christ, his gospel to us, was being cast on the right side of the boat. For incomparably greater then, and far exceeding in honor and glory the commandments of the law, is the teaching of Christ. For the reality of the New Testament greatly surpasses the foreshadowing of the old, and the master the servant, and the grace of the Spirit, which justifies, surpasses the letter which condemns. Christ's teaching, therefore, is placed on the right side of the boat, the right hand signifying to us its superiority over the law and the prophets. The inspired disciples then, without hesitation, obeyed the bidding of our Savior and let down the net on the right side. And the meaning of this is that they did not seize or earn for themselves the grace of apostleship, but at our Lord's bidding alone went forth to capture the souls of men. For our Lord told the apostles, Go and make disciples of all nations. They didn't make disciples of all nations by their strength, but by our Lord's words and bidding. The disciples themselves say that at the word of Christ they let down the net. For they fish for men only by the Savior's words and commandments in the Gospels. And great was the multitude of fish within the net, so that the disciples were no longer able to haul it up. For they who have been caught, those people, those men who have been caught in the net of the gospel, those who have believed, are innumerable. And the marvel of this seems in truth to surpass and be out of proportion to the strength of the holy apostles. To put it another way, the catch of the gospel, the men that are caught in the net of the gospel of the church, far surpasses the capabilities and strength of the apostles alone because it is the working of Christ who gathers by his own power the multitude of the saved into the church on earth, just like the fish were into the nets of the apostles. And again in this passage, John, the writer of this book, calls himself the beloved disciple, and he would seem to have been thus well beloved on account of his great discernment and purity of mind and the keenness of his mental vision, and a disposition which enabled him readily to grasp the truth. And in fact, John sees the meaning of this sign, the sign of the fish, before the rest, because he was the first one to perceive Christ's presence, and he told the others. And he didn't have a single shadow of a doubt. 
But he cried out to them with a very loud and confident voice, It is the Lord! And so the inspired Peter leapt into the sea, thinking that to go by the ship would cause delay. For Peter was always fervent in zeal, and easily stirred up to confidence and love of Christ. And the rest of the disciples followed his lead, with the ship dragging the net. When they get to shore, they see a fire of coals. For the Savior had kindled a fire miraculously, and put a fish upon it that he had caught by his ineffable power. And this too he had done by design. He didn't take one of their fish and put it on the fire. He took one of his own fish and put it on the fire. For it was not by the hand of the holy apostles or the preaching of these spiritual fishermen among men which caught the fish, but the power of the Savior that started the work. So he put upon the fire a fish not which the apostles could claim to have caught themselves, but one which he caught alone by his own strength. For he first caught one as the firstfruits of those who were to come. Then afterwards the disciples caught the multitude in their nets, being enabled by his divine bidding to take something of what they sought. Well, Peter then hauls up the net, by which it was to be understood that the labor of the holy apostles would not be without its effect. That is to say, when Peter Paul hauls up the net, it must be understood that what is being signified here is that with the word of Christ and the grace of God, the labor of the apostles would not be without fish, without its fruit. For they put the mass of captured fish before Christ, who had commanded them to be caught. And the quantity of the fish is indicated by a number 153. Now, the number 100, to the best of my judgment, signifies the complement of the nations. For the number 100 is a very perfect number in the scriptures, being compounded of 10, another perfect number of the scriptures, times 10. And for this reason, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, in one place, speaks in the parable of having 100 sheep belonging to him, signifying the complete sum of rational creatures. And in another place in the scriptures, he declares that the best ground will bring forth a hundredfold, meaning thereby the perfect fertility of the righteous soul. Now the number 50, on the other hand, betokens the elect remnant of the Israelites, saved by grace. For 50 is half 100, and falls short of the perfect number in amount. And by three, reference is made to the holy and consubstantial trinity, the number alone showing for this. For to the glory and ceaseless praise of the trinity, the life of those who have been taken captive through faith is consecrated and implies connection with the Godhead. For God is in all those who believe in him and keeps nigh unto him. By means of sanctification, those who have been won over by the teaching of the gospel have been taken by the net of the church. And when the net has been drawn up, our Lord said again to the holy disciples, Come and break your fast, thereby teaching them that after their pain and tribulation in gathering those who were called and saved, that they should sit down with him, as the Savior himself said, and their table would be spread with food such as no tongue can name, the spiritual food, that is, and divine, and that passes men's understanding." Christ also wishes to imply that which is said by the psalmist, Thou shalt eat the fruit of the labors of thy hands. Now the disciples did not take food for themselves and eat thereof, but Christ gave to them of it, that we might learn, as in a foreshadowing, that on the day Christ will himself will provide us with divine blessings and a portion unto us those things 
which may be profitable unto us as our Lord. Amen. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Alleluia!
They saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Alleluia. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, who through the resurrection of your Son did secure peace for our troubled conscience, grant unto us evermore this peace, that in the merit of your Son, we at length come unto the perfect peace of heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the evening of the day, in the evening of life, in the evening of the world. Abide with us in your grace and mercy, in your holy word and sacrament, in your comfort and your blessing. Abide with us in the night of distress and fear, in the night of doubt and temptation, in the night of bitter death, when these shall overtake us. Abide with us and with all your faithful ones, O Lord, in time and in eternity. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.